Well, what is up, Element Church? So glad that all of you are here with us today. So, so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us. I want to say hello to those of you who are joining us via video, whether in our building somewhere or maybe somewhere around the world on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. And if you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. And I am really so thankful that you've chosen to give our church a shot today. And uh, we pray that it will be a life-giving experience for you. Before we dive into the third week of a sermon series called Our Father. I'm going to take a good chunk of time here as your pastor, kind of share with you from my heart about our upcoming I Heart Cheyenne initiative. As you heard earlier in the service, there's some cards on your seats as well to remind you of this, but coming up from Saturday, August 6th through Sunday or Saturday, August 13th, we'll be serving in the sixth annual I Heart Cheyenne initiative. And I Heart Cheyenne is a week-long effort where we collectively come together as God's church to seek and serve the tangible needs in our community. And you might be asking the question, why do we do I Heart Cheyenne? Why take a whole week to kind of go out there and serve the city? Well, there's lots of reasons why. I could tell you about the literally thousands of people that live in our city uh, who are in need of basic necessities of life, food, clothing, and shelter. In fact, over 8,100 people in Cheyenne live below the poverty line. Over 2,400 people live below half the poverty line in the United States. I could tell you about the re incredible relationships we've made uh, with leaders in our city and our state because we've gone out there to to serve in a variety uh, of different ways. I could tell you about the 60,429 people in Laramie County who, according to the latest census, claim none, N-O-N-E, as their religion, or they are a part of a non-Christ-centered faith. That's over 60 thousand people in our county that are not connected to the message and ministry of Jesus through God's church. And so we understand that most of them are not going to come to us. So what are we going to do? We're going to go to them. And we're going to point them to a savior by our service in our city. But I know even in saying all of that, there might be someone who would ask this question. Well, how many people come to church because we do I Heart Cheyenne? How many people get saved because of it? And that brings me to the real reason why we do uh, I Heart Cheyenne and any outreach event. So, so you ready for this? We, we don't do I Heart Cheyenne. And we don't do any outreach opportunity because there is a return for our church. We do it because it's right. Amen. Outreach and serving is the right thing to do, whether anyone ever comes to our church because, because of it or whether anyone ever comes to Jesus because of it. That's what God did, right? For God so loved the world, he what? He gave. He gave Jesus, his only son, the most radical act of generosity this world will ever see. He gave and he served with no guarantee of any return from us. In fact, he gave of himself. He gave himself even for people who would reject and hate him in the end. And so here's kind of the big thing here. People may not agree with what we believe as a church. But we want our church 
to serve in such a way that they cannot argue about the benefit we bring to our community. That's why we do I Heart Cheyenne, and that's why we do our outreach. One of our core values here is leading the way in generosity, that we serve a radically generous God, so we will be radically generous people, and that's exactly what you guys are. Our church, you, the people of Element Church, are the most generous people I've ever been around in my life. Not just with I Heart Cheyenne, but all throughout the year, you are generous with your time, with your talents, and with your treasure. And I want to say as your pastor, thank you for that. And I want to thank you in advance for what I know you are going to do as well through I Heart Cheyenne. And there's a number of different serving opportunities that we have available for you. You can sign up for them starting today. And a lot of them are appropriate really for all ages, for families even to serve in. So let me highlight just a couple things you could be involved in during I Heart Cheyenne. On Saturday, August 6th, we are going to stuff all 2,000 backpacks, okay, with the school supplies and a brand new pair of tennis shoes. And we're going to do that between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Uh, there's lunch provided as well, so you can be a part of the backpack stuffing party that we do. There's a lot of kind of cleanup around the city. And so on August 9th, we're doing some trash pickup on the Greenway to kind of keep it looking nice and neat from 2 to 4 p.m., 5 to 7 p.m. And then we're ending I Heart Cheyenne with the Back to School Bash. That event requires a couple hundred volunteers volunteers. And if you've never seen the back to school bash in person, it is a sight to behold to see all of you people out there loving on and serving our cities. You can sign up for all of those opportunities at the next steps wall. If you're here in this service, or you can do it online as well, go to elementchurchwy.com. You can sign up for it there. On top of the serving opportunities, we are giving you a way to partner with us financially as well by helping provide some of the 2000 backpacks that will have the school supplies and tennis shoes in them. So for $30, for 30 bucks, you can purchase one bundle, which is a backpack supplies and a brand new pair of New Balance tennis shoes uh, for a child that otherwise may not be able to have that luxury in life. Now, I know for some of you, okay, for some of you, you may not be able to do even one backpack and we completely understand. I and we are not asking you to do anything you shouldn't do or anything you cannot do, okay? So I want you to know that. But also, I wanna just acknowledge that for most of us, we can do at least one backpack, for most of us. For some of us, we could do multiple backpacks. There was somebody last week who bought 20 backpacks. And I think for a few of us, for maybe a handful, you may be able to provide 200 backpacks or maybe even more if God led you to do that. So if you want to purchase a backpack bundle, stop by the outreach table out in the lobby. You can use your credit card, debit card, cash, or check. And if you're watching online, there's a big graphic on the website, elementchurchwy.com. You can actually purchase bundles online as well. And so we're doing this all the way through July 31st. You can buy your bundle. So if you need time to prepare, get ready for that, uh, you can do that. And I, listen, I, I acknowledge we ask a lot of you guys. We ask a lot from our church. Uh, but the reason we do is because I know that you're fully capable. And so I would just ask you to partner with us as we do this annual event, I Heart Cheyenne. Okay, weird transition. But let's jump right into the third week of this sermon series called Our Father, Praying Prayers That Matter. And I don't know about you, 
But if I'm going to pray prayers, I want to pray prayers that matter. Amen? I want to pray prayers that matter to the heart of God. So it is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads out there. I want to say a special happy Father's Day to my dad, who's going to be watching at some point today. So happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you. I'm proud of you. So honored to be your son. Thank you for the $500 you gave me. Hopefully that's what you gave Jeremy and Jenny as well, because they watch the sermons too. So... I wonder sometimes, I'm the favorite, just going to acknowledge that right now. I wonder sometimes if we treat God like we treat our dads. Like, I don't know about you, but as a dad now of four children, I can tell when my kids are about to ask me for something out of the ordinary when they go out of their way to tell me how awesome I am or how much they love me. Like when you were a kid, you remember doing this as well. To whatever authority figure in your life, whether it's a dad or somebody else, like we're great at children, as children of trying to figure out what unlocks my dad's heart to get me what I want. And so now as my kids get older and the cuddling gets maybe less and less, you know, when one of my girls comes up and wants to cuddle with me a little more than usual and says something like, I ever told you, daddy, how much I love you. I've learned to just ask this question. What do you want? Like, I just want, what do you want? Let's get it over with. I'll hold you some more and get you what you need. So here's the thing. Here's, here's why I've been thinking about this on Father's Day. If we're not careful, we can end up doing the exact same thing with God. So, so far in the series, the only part uh, of prayer we've talked about is telling God how awesome he is. That's all we've talked about. So this whole series, if you don't know, is based on the Lord's Prayer. And the first week, if you want to catch up on sermons, if you've missed them, you can watch or listen to them online. But the first week, we took the first part of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father Who Art in Heaven, and we established this first principle. You are God and I am not, so I surrender my position to you. That my position in prayer matters more than my petitions in prayer. Then last week, second part of the Lord's Prayer, uh, the second phrase, hallowed be thy name, we established this principle, that I praise you for who you are, for what you've done, and for what you are going to do. So can I make a suggestion about why we need to start our prayers that way? It's a rhetorical question. I'm going to do it anyway, whether you want me to or not, but here's my suggestion. God doesn't need reminded of who he is. I need reminded of who he is. That's why I start my prayer. That's why we need to start our prayers that way. God is God, whether I acknowledge it or not. Now, listen, I I know every week we have people in our service or watching online that you don't believe that. You don't believe in God. And I just want to say, as I try to every, every week in some form or fashion, that if you don't believe in God, not only are you welcome here, but you are invited to be here because this, that's the beauty of this thing called free will, that God does not force us to believe, okay? As long as we all understand, this is kind of a core belief for us here at Element Church, that we do believe in God, that God is God, whether I acknowledge him or not. And I need reminded of that in my prayers, if I'm going to pray prayers that matter. Second of all, okay, I don't praise God because he's starving for attention and won't make it through the day unless I praise him, right? Like God will be praised whether I praise him or not. Jesus said, if we keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. 
I thought about bringing a rock on stage and pausing for about 15 seconds to see if it actually said anything. But Jesus said, if we don't praise him, he doesn't need our praise. He will be praised whether I praise him or not. So I said last week that praise fuels our prayers. It does. But praise, we've got to understand this, is not a way to butter up God so he fulfills my requests. Praise is a way to build my faith so that if he doesn't fulfill my request, I still trust him and not what he gives me. That he's God whether I acknowledge it or not, and he's worthy of my praise. And so I've said this every week that following the Lord's prayer is not a prescription to get what we want from God. It is filled with principles to grow our relationship with God. And I believe there's seven principles in the Lord's prayer. We've looked at two of them already. We are packing in three principles today. And it's not until principle number five that we even ask God for anything for ourselves. And even in that, I hope we'll see today, it's more about God than it is about me getting what I want. And so we're saying the Lord's Prayer every week in the series. Even if you don't believe, you don't have to pray this or even mean it, but I'm asking all of us to say the Lord's Prayer out loud together. We're going to put the graphic on the screen here, and I'm going to read it along with you. Don't feel bad if you don't have it memorized. I will read it right along with you. Jesus was asked by the 12 disciples, teach us to pray. This was his response. Let's read it out loud. It says this, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I want to focus on those next three phrases. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and give us today our daily bread. And if you look at them just kind of standing on their own, they can appear to be petitions or requests of God, but they are based on the praises that we started our prayer with. And really more than, than requests, more than demands, they are declarations to God. They are declarations to him more than demands from him. And that kind of leads me into the big idea for today. I really wrestled with kind of, Lord, what's the one big thing you're trying to drive home here in this message? So here it is on the screens. God is not moved by my demands, but I can be moved by my declarations. God's not moved by my demands, but I can be moved by my declarations. Meaning this, if I go into prayer with the intention or desire of moving God, I will be disappointed. But if I go into prayer with the intention and desire of God moving me, then I'm on the road to praying prayers that matter. Now, does God sometimes move on behalf of the prayers of his people? Absolutely he does, which is why I believe as Christians, we should pray big, bold prayers over our lives. But that is not the ultimate goal of prayer. So these declarations we're going to look at will keep us focused on God moving me, not me trying to move the immovable God. So if declarations are that important, let's ask this big question. What declarations should be made in my prayers? What declarations 
should be made in my prayers. Main scripture, we're going to preach for the first time this series, ironically, from the actual Lord's Prayer. So Matthew 6, verses 10 and 11, we'll preach from the Lord's Prayer today, but there's other scriptures and other quotes as well. And so if they're, the easiest way to follow along is if you have a mobile device to use the YouVersion Bible app, it's free, and you can follow along if you go to the events section, Element Church WY, and all the notes, the verses, quotes, everything will be on there for you to follow along. By all means, if you have your own Bible, please use that. And if you don't own a Bible, We believe that it is the Word of God applicable to every part of your life. And so we want to give them away for free. If you need one, ask for one at guest services. We'll put one in your hands. Let's jump right in here. Matthew chapter 6, first part of verse 10, three words. Jesus said, thy kingdom come. When you pray, pray thy kingdom come. Now that word kingdom in the original Greek language is a loaded word. It is used when it was written in the Bible 163 times in the New Testament portion of the Bible. And in its original language, that word kingdom means kingship, sovereignty, or reign. And so I did some research, some reading of other scholars and theologians, what they thought that phrase, thy kingdom come, means. And I loved what Albert Barnes said, a great theologian on the screen said this. The petition here is the expression of a desire that God may reign everywhere, that his laws may be obeyed, and especially that the gospel of Christ may be advanced everywhere until the world shall be filled with his glory. Now that's a prayer, amen? That's a prayer to pray. So God's not moved by my demands, but I can be moved by my declaration. So what declaration should I make in prayer? Here's the first one, and it's this. For God's presence to reign. We should pray for God's presence to reign. I wonder sometimes if we hear the phrase, thy kingdom come, and we think about God's kingdom as this far off distant place, like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Or maybe we think about something that God's kingdom is something yet to come. That Jesus is going to return, and with that return, he will establish his eternal kingdom. Or maybe we just think about God's kingdom in a general sense, that God rules and reigns over heaven and earth, and we are all a part of that kingdom, whether we like it or not. And all of those things are partially true, but I'm not sure they fully capture the the weight of of this declaration uh, that it carries, thy kingdom come. So yes, it's true that when Jesus came as God in the flesh, he established a new, a different, a spiritual kingdom unlike anything this world will ever know. And yes, I do believe that Jesus is coming again. And as Christians, we long for the day of his return where he will create a new heaven and a new earth and reign over that for eternity. And yes, in a general sense, all of us, whether we believe it or not, are a part of the kingdom of God, but it goes deeper than that. It's bigger than that. You see, the kingdom of God is not a place we can point to or a city we can see. Jesus even said about the kingdom, you can't say there it is, Or here it is, because the kingdom of God is among you. One version says the kingdom of God is within you. So I believe quite literally 
Okay? And we could do literally, we could do a whole sermon on just this one principle. Don't worry, I'm not going to. But I believe quite literally that when we pray for God's presence to reign, we are praying that everyone would come to know Jesus. That everyone would experience the kingdom of God's grace that reigns in our hearts when we believe. And second of all, we are praying that God's kingdom, that God's presence would so reign in the hearts of those of us who already believe that we would be extensions of God's grace and extensions of God's kingdom into a lost and dying world. Thy kingdom come is a prayer of salvation that God would take up residence in people's hearts and that we who believe would be conduits of that grace to those who don't believe. Christians in the room, it means this, that what we say and the way we live would be evidence to a dying world of the active, living kingdom of God in our hearts. It's a declaration. It's a declaration that moves me more than it moves God. May your kingdom, God, be established in me, and may I be an expression of that kingdom to everyone around me. Now, I hesitated all week long whether to say this or not, but I did in first service, and I feel like as your pastor, I need to speak to this subject for our church in general, okay? I was so disappointed in how some people responded, not specifically in our church, but people, how some people responded to the tragedy in Orlando last week. That literally, as the news was unfolding, about 49 people who were killed and over 50 who were wounded, I began hearing and seeing Christians say things like, well, you know it was a gay nightclub. As if somehow because people there might have been gay, they deserve to die. I heard people say things like, well, you know what the Bible says. And inside I was livid. Are you kidding me? Inside I'm saying, yes, I know what the Bible says. That all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to follow their own way, but God laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. I know what the Bible says. For God so loved the world, he gave Jesus as my atoning sacrifice for my sin. Every one of those people who lost their life that day, including the shooter himself, broke the heart of God and should break our heart as well because Jesus died for them as much as he died for you and me. Every one of those people who lost their lives stood before God himself and either heard the words, depart from me, I never knew you, or well done, thou good and faithful servant. And church, that should move us should move us. And the moment I heard what was happening in Orlando, I found out, I found out moments before coming out 
to our 9 a.m. service. The moment I heard, even after I found out that it was a gay nightclub, my heart broke. I prayed, Lord Jesus, we need you so badly. Thy kingdom come. I pray for your presence to reign in those families who are hurting. God, bring believing people around those who are in pain to be conduits of your kingdom of love and mercy and grace and hope and life. God, I pray that churches would rally around those families, not to argue about a lifestyle, but to point them to the only one who gives us life. It's you, Jesus. Rally the church around these people. Thy kingdom come. May your presence reign in our lives, Lord Jesus. God cannot be moved, or he may not be moved by my advance, but I can be moved by my declarations. So what declaration should be made? Thy kingdom come. God, we need you so bad. May your presence reign in our hearts. This next phrase, Matthew 6, 10 Last part of it, Jesus then said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the second declaration we need to make in our prayers, and it's this, for God's preference to rule, for his presence to reign, and for his preference to rule. Now I pray that this will be encouraging to some of you today. Do you realize that while on the earth, not everything Jesus wanted to happen, happened. Not everything Jesus asked for, did he receive. Like some of us, I'm fully aware, some of us walked into church today, crushed by the weight of the world. And I, I don't know what everyone is facing. All I know is some of you, what you are facing feels like an impossible load to bear. Your soul is being crushed with grief to the point of death. And again, I hope it's encouraging that do you realize Jesus knows exactly how that feels? Exactly how it feels. On the night that our Lord was betrayed, arrested, tortured, and eventually crucified for our sins, this is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, one of the disciples Look what Jesus says about how he was feeling. Matthew 26, 36 through 39. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove, called, olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, our Father who art in heaven, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. In the Jeff Manis translation, that's I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to go through this. In my humanness, I don't. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Three times Jesus did this. 
the, the, the gospel writer Luke, who was a physician by trade, Luke records that Jesus prayed so fervently and with such agony that he was sweating and his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. Some people believe he literally sweat drops of blood. That God, my soul, is crushed with grief. It's an impossible load to bear. If there's any other way, I don't want to do this, but not my will. Yours be done. And Luke twenty two forty three 43 records this part of the story. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. In other words, God was saying, there is no other way. There's no other way. Listen, I don't know what you're facing today. And I don't know what any of us are going to face. All I know is this. Even when your soul is crushed with grief to the point of death, because we have surrendered our position, because we praise him for who he is, because his presence can reign in our hearts, we then can honestly say, thy will be done. Thy will be done. And when you do, when you honestly and truly believe that and say that to God, I believe with all my heart that God will not only send his angels, but now because Jesus died and rose again, he unleashed the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives. So the Spirit himself comes alongside, uh, alongside us and gives us the strength to endure. That God may not do what you're asking, but he always gives you the strength to endure. That God may not be moved by my demands, but I can be moved by my declarations. Thy kingdom come, may your presence reign. Thy will be done, may your preference rule, your will. And then this last phrase, Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread third declaration we must make in our prayers is this, for God's provision to rely on. For God's provision to rely on. I never put this together before this week. So I've read the Lord's Prayer, prayed it, even been practicing these principles in my own life, but I never put this together until this week. That Jesus gives, just a few verses later, Jesus gives one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. And I never saw the connection to this one verse and the Lord's Prayer until literally writing out the prayer this week. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, if I'm not careful, I get to this part of the prayer, give us today our daily bread, and I kind of view it as my now open door to ask God to give me everything I want. The first part was kind of the perfunctory things. Lord, you're so awesome. Lord, you're so good. Lord, may your kingdom come. Lord, may your will be done. And now, Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Get the phrase out of the way. I love you so much. You're so awesome. Now can I get what I want? I'm not sure that's what it means here. So Jesus transitions in Matthew 6 from teaching on the Lord's Prayer to this now random teaching on money and possessions. And in his teaching, he's telling people, don't worry about everyday life. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothing. And he uses two 
physical examples. He said, look at the birds. They don't, they don't store up food or wealth or anything, yet, yet they have all they need. And then he says, aren't you worth more than a bird to God? Look at the flowers. They don't make their own clothes or purchase clothing, yet they are clothed in greater splendor than even Solomon himself. And then he said, aren't you worth more than a flower? So, so don't worry about all these things. And then he says this, Matthew 6, 31 through 34. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of who? Unbelievers. But your heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven, already knows all your needs. And then he gives this often quoted verse in the Christian circles, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Thy kingdom come. And live righteously. Thy will be done. And he will give you everything you need. Give us today our daily bread. So listen, this is challenging to me. In praying the prayer, give us today our daily bread, that is not our moment to come to God and tell him everything we think we need. Give us today our daily bread is us telling God, I am acknowledging that you already know all that I need, so whatever you've put in my hands is all I need. But we're so quick to pray, if I just had more, if I just got a raise, if I could just purchase that car, if I could just go on that vacation, if I could just have this, if I could just do that, if I just go there, in essence, what we're saying is, God, you've not given me enough. So give us today our daily bread, that you know what I need, so what you've put in my hands, you've determined is what I need. And so I'll live within this, because you gave it to me. That's huge, folks. That's challenging and convicting to me, your pastor. And then he says this, so don't worry about tomorrow. And everyone can give a big amen to this next statement, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. All the parents say amen. Today's trouble, is this not true? Today's trouble is enough for today. So Lord, give me today my daily bread. Thy kingdom come. Lord, may your presence reign. Thy will be done. May your preference rule. Give us today our daily bread. It's your provision I rely on. And I'm acknowledging what you give me is enough. So Lord, I trust you. This old, old song. I didn't remember all the words, so I looked it up. You may not have ever heard of it before. But there's a part of a chorus that says this. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Give us today our daily bread. So here's my challenge. One minute a day. One minute a day. I want you to start your day with this prayer. It's on the screens. If you want to take a picture of it or write it down, get a snapshot, leave it up. We'll leave it up there long enough for you to get that. But I want you, you can add it to the ones we've already done. By the end of this series next week, we'll have a whole three or four minute kind of chunk of prayer to start your day with. But I want you to give every day. I want you to pray this with me. I'm going to do it every day. One minute. 
Take you less than a minute, actually. Lord, thy kingdom come. May your presence reign. Thy will be done. May your preference rule. And give us today our daily bread. It's your provision we rely on. Trust you. I trust you. We pray that prayer together. Listen, church, I believe we pray prayers like this. We'll be praying prayers that matter. And you'll see God begin to move and work in your life in ways that you never thought were even possible. Never even possible. Why? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's you we rely on. I love you guys. Let me pray for you. And then Pastor Steve has some closing remarks, so remain seated. Lord, you're so good. God, I thank you that your word is alive and active. Even this week, in preparing for a sermon that I've read these verses literally maybe hundreds of times in my life, you awakened a whole new part of it for me. And that you're still working on me, convicting me, changing me, molding me. God, I thank you for that, that you're never done working on us. So Lord, help us to live for you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and give us today our daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen.